Fun on Thugs, it is going off track. Steven, Jonah, and Brad, keeping it real for you. Um, Mike is off producing something else awesome. Uh, when he's allowed to say what it is, he's going to have stories galore because it's pretty darn groovy. That's legit, folks. Today's guest is comedian Mike Lawrence. You might know him from such awesome stand-up specials as uh, John Oliver's New York Stand-Up. I believe that's the name for it, but it's John Oliver's stand-up show on Comedy Central. He has a great record out called Sadamantium. If you find that funny, you are a comic book nerd, and we back you completely. It's very nice of Mike to hang out with us. We talk wrestling. Well, just listen. He's a good dude. Um, I pronounce adamantium wrong forever. We talk about that briefly. And it's interesting. is if you are a Wolverine fan, you know that his claws are not made of adamantium. They are made of bone and laced with adamantium. Am I right? Well, originally, right? But originally, also, then they retcon. They didn't retcon him. They just added to the myth that he grew up with those claws in him. It was featured in the movie, The X Men Origins Wolverine. It's true. I'm not saying this because I met Hugh Jackman recently. Oh yeah, you did. You sent me a photo, and it was pretty amazing. Here's the fun thing about that. So uh, MTV Geek was out in San Diego for San Diego Comic Con, and. Uh, we had a studio. We were partnering up with MTV News, and they were doing this big interview with, um, well, Hugh Jackman. And I was doing uh, some interviews, and it wasn't, we were trading off, and I was just hanging out in the production office, people at their workstations, you know, keeping the social media and the sites alive, blogging and updating and stuff. And um, I was talking with some of the MTV Geek Team folks, and we hear this guy say, uh, hey, do you mind if we eat lunch in here? And someone said, yeah, it's fine, eat lunch in here. And so we go back to talking and I look over my shoulder and just sitting in a workstation eating asparagus and fish out of a brought Tupperware container, Hugh Jackman, just sitting down, just hanging out, just eating. And then everyone else starts to notice and the room gets really quiet. <laughs> and then Hugh Jackman starts to notice that the room is quiet <laughs> and we're still talking. It probably happens to him every time he goes yeah. anywhere to eat. And then... With the line of the century, uh, Eddie Wright, the editor of the MTV Geek website and blog, walks in from the bathroom, looks over his shoulder, sees Hugh Jackman and goes, okay. <laughs> and walks over and sits down at the station, just like, it's beautiful. Um, and then, so I'm just watching all this go down and I go, as loud as I can, you know, I can totally hear us talking about him. <laughs> And then he starts laughing. Typical Stephen fashion. So I, I walk okay. over and I go, so what's up? How's the con? And he's like eating mouthfuls of food. And he's like, it's good. It's good. And I went, you shown any footage of, or is Fox shown any footage of uh, Days of Future Past, which is the next X-Men big movie. And if you're a comic geek, that's kind of an iconic storyline. And he goes, no, fuck that. All Wolverine, just the Wolverine. He's a very funny dude. So then like his manager comes in like whatever you know as soon as people start to kind of break around him yeah you know <laughs> but um his makeup artist came in and uh it was this dude and uh he stands up he's giant which is also weird Wait, he is i thought he was he's small huge. no he's like he's I'm, tall yeah i'm five ten and he's a good got a good two inches on me oh, that's so weird so yeah For some reason i thought he was a that's the guy. thing because wolverine is short in yeah. the comics he's he's they always call him the runt you know he's a little guy but do they film the x-men like that so no they, they kind of film average okay. you know they don't make him like that that route but um so then eddie comes over super smart uncle of the year goes can you sign this for my nephew and he's like yeah sure super cool everything i've heard about him is he's kind of like you know dave Grohl. he's just right. beyond nice to everybody really great so we start chatting you know um i tell him this his makeup artist and we start chatting of course he gets talking about kids and turns out his uh makeup artist has twins i'm like oh i got twins and i tell the story that frank aero uh told my wife about when you have twins at some point you're just gonna have to pee while wearing a baby bjorn <laughs> hugh jackman just loses it starts laughing he's like ah been there been there <laughs> and i was like yeah i'm in so he stands up and i don't know why i did this but i just always wanted to say this Went, Hugh, I'm never going to get to ask you this before, but you know the movie Down With Love with Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger? You know this movie? It's yeah. just weird, like, didn't do so well, kind of shot in Panavision, Mad Men, time period, com romantic comedy period piece, but with song and dance. No. <laughs> so I bring this movie up to Hugh Jackman, and I go, that should have been you, dude, not Ewan McGregor. And he went, you know, like, I, 
I met with them about that. I really wanted to do it, but they thought, ah, Wolverine song and dancey, it wouldn't work. I was like, yeah, full props to you, but you would have nailed that. <laughs> because that's what I like to talk about when you meet Hugh Jackman, romantic comedies at San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> and then our producer came over and went, hey, can we get a photo of, of Stephen with you for our social media stuff? And I went, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. Cool. <laughs> there you go. Photo with Hugh Jackman. Super cool. Just like hilarious guy. It was nice to see. Sweet. That and is, um, is nice to hear. Yeah, but uh, not as nice as uh, Mike Lawrence. It's going on All right, Mike Lawrence, ladies and gentlemen. You like that intro? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Mike, first and foremost, your record's called Sadamantium, and as a nerd uh, and a geek... That just made me very, very, very happy. Oh, uh, thanks, man. That's <laughs> very smart, and I'm really surprised no one ever put those two together ever. No, no, and I Google searched it and everything. It's funny because so many people have a hard time saying it, and my thought is if you know how to say it, you might buy it. So it's yeah. fine, you know. When I was a kid and I was reading X-Men, and I remember when the Wolverine miniseries came out, in my head, I pronounced it differently. And then as I got older, it, w- it was like Adamantium. Or, or I, I think yeah. I, in my head, it was like Shum, you know? And I love that he would always explain, you know, like, and for don't forget, bub, my claws are made of animantium, which can slice through anything. Like, he would always just, like, even though he was, he was like a badass, like, he would, he would do the whole, you know, like, the two outer ones near you and the middle finger that could pop in your neck. Like, that's an awesome pose. But then he would, like, explain, and it could cut through, like, a hot knife on butter. You know, like, dude, I'm about to die, and you're referencing butter. (laughs) It's like, we're we're with you. We got it. When the the claws came out, I didn't care what they were made of. I'm scared shitless. But, yeah, I was was reading, like, about, like, some of those old, like, the the Jim Lee X-Men comics and, and... in retrospect, how bad the writing is. And it really, like, when Magneto will be like, you know, you would dare to use bullets on a master of magnetism. <laughs> like, if you refer to yourself as that. <laughs> I mean, it's already bad enough you're referring to yourself as homo superior. But, yes, you know. <laughs> that's true. The homo superior. That's the next album. Yeah. That's the next one. <laughs> I think it, I mean, it's fun, you know? Yeah. Because you know they haven't trademarked that one. And if there's a legal fight, that's amazing. That's how they pitched Ian McKellen the role of Magneto. They didn't say you're going to play Magneto. They just said you're going to play the homo superior. And he was like, that sounds lovely. I'm in. That, that one scene, I think it's the next two, where he just goes, oh, rogue, I love what you did with your hair. That's it. <laughs> it's the best. Maybe it's Maybelline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard. Isn't it funny that I know exactly the moment he's referencing and what was happening in that scene? I haven't yeah. understood anything you guys have said this entire podcast <laughs> so far. You haven't read the untold story of Marvel Comics yet, right? No, I have I, not. Probably because I haven't given it to you. To That's a great that. one. Isn't I that a great book? That. Yeah, We're yeah. trying to get that dude in here. We've had um, Jonah went to school with um, Ron Richards, who started the iFanboy website. Oh, nice! So we had Ron in here geeking out. And- Richards, yes, <laughs> who looks exactly the same as he did in college. Some people can do that. Same sideburns, like same look. And- well, when you have the exact same taste as you did, in <laughs> yes, no, elementary exactly. school. It's it's like comics to- and Morrissey for that dude. Yeah, yeah. Mike, where are you from? I'm from Florida. Where about Florida, uh, Davy? Yeah. I just I just met a dude who said, uh, "Oh, Davey, I went to a Klan rally there once, and that says everything you need no to know about way. that place." Oh, Someone yeah. seriously said that. Oh yeah, yeah. It was in Jacksonville when he said it, so you know, for the fun and the food, or yeah, he said he's like, "I just never been." You know, it was actually pretty fun. Yeah, any it, barbecue is fun. You just don't listen to what people are saying. Yeah. I just yeah, like roasting marshmallows on a burning cross, you know, <laughs> catered by Paula Dean. That is kind of funny. We had we had a party in college one time because my roommate and I were just rude that we had on Good Friday, and we would serve burgers with nails in them, <laughs> not actual nails, but like little plastic things we'd poke in, and if people, and then we'd make everyone watch Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, we were. Popular. I'd rather <laughs> eat a burger with nails in it. <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar rated G. Oddly enough, I know. <laughs> Awesome, I I saw that on uh, I saw that on, uh, in in Florida. I guess I was about to say 
way off Broadway. <laughs> and it was the, the dude who originally played Judas, and he was awesome. The, Carl like, Anderson? Yeah, yeah. He was great. And like a few months before he died. Yeah. He- and then uh, Sebastian Bach as Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, which I, it wasn't so inaccurate that he was Jesus uh, because it's Sebastian Bach, but because he's clearly not 33 years old. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. He's aged a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got in a, He got really mad at me, Sebastian Bach, when I was interviewing him once because I asked him if he thought it was weird. Literally, do you think it's weird that you're on tour playing Skid Row songs while the rest of Skid Row is on tour playing Skid Row songs with a different singer at the same time? And he was like, why would you ask that? I was like, uh, I don't know. It seems a little weird, right? And he's like, uh, would you ask uh, Paul McCartney? What was, he made some Beatles reference. Like, do you think it's weird that Paul McCartney plays Beatles songs when he performs solo? And I was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, that's a really, really weird. Did you just equate yourself with Paul McCartney? Yeah, like that's a really weird because way to rationalize this. Because comparison. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, are. I guess I could see his point. I though. could see his point a little bit too, but I was also like, "You're that's like the first place you're jumping to." It's probably bad blood for him, though. You know what I mean? It's like an interview for that guy is probably already work, and then you're like prodding at him, and he's just like, uh, "You know." It's like if I interviewed Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko, it was like, "So how many ideas were stolen from you?" And they're like, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, a lot," but I don't want to talk about it. He mm-hmm. did admit that he gets recognized more for being on Gilmore Girls than he does for being in Skid Row. Yeah, okay, I back that. <laughs> yeah, which hey man, at least people are recognizing you. No, I'm uh, surprised the other members of Skid Row aren't on Skid Row. That <laughs> yeah. blows my mind. No, totally. Just, I mean, d- dude, I've talked to guys who say you make fun of state fairs. There's a lot of money in state fairs. <laughs> like these bands play all these gigs. Yeah, like, you play Six Flags. That's a lot of dough. That's more than like like playing Irving Plaza. I think in Six the city. Flags is different than a bar than like a barbecue though. I feel like the barbecue is like you're. It's, there's like a desperation Weezer does them. There. Weezer does state fairs. Yeah, but Weezer's different. They they can because they do other stuff too. I feel yeah. like a lot of these bands. It's like Catch Foreigner at like the, yeah. next to the fucking the racetrack. Yeah, and all that. Yeah. 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 There's like there's this kind of sadness, but maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just projecting. Oh that. yeah, I mean it's when you're performing at places like that, you're probably just having to do a medley, and especially like I wonder if you're you know foreigners had like a few hits, but if you're like a one hit wonder man, like you're whole set is contingent on when you put in that song like you if know, you're like, katrina in the waves or seven, yeah 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 like if sir mix a lot opens with baby got back he's screwed but if he closes with it he's screwed you know it's, we had a hit called iron man too before baby got back it's not that he that he sampled sabbath yeah but yeah, that, i remember and i remember after baby got back he tried doing other butt songs <laughs> Yeah. Like he had multiple, he won like ride it, ride it, where there were like girls on bicycles and stuff. And it was just like, it was so sad because <laughs> I like them with the titties, you know, like just every other part of the anatomy. Like, girl, you got a clavicle, clavicle. Your <laughs> decolletage is decolle awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, how long were you in Florida? I was 23 years. Zowie. So where, what did your parents do? Uh, my dad worked um, at a hospital, like, helping to plan, you know, the building of new wings and stuff. He's like a maintenance-type guy. And then my mom was a comic uh, and uh, a nurse and uh, and uh, chef for a little while. Yeah, so different different. Was things. your mom a touring comedian? Uh, in Florida. Okay. Yeah, within the state. So you like, basically grew up with comedy in the house. Yeah. So what did, did she turn you on to, like, comedians to begin with, or did you just kind of mm. have to find it? Yeah, I had to find it on my own because I just thought it was lame, you know, really? when I was a kid. Yeah, of course. That's Comedy true. is terrible for children. Anytime, like, I'm performing and there's, like, a 10-year-old, it's just a dude talking. It's How many most... times does that happen? Um, A couple times, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, people would just bring their kid in. Um, usually not in clubs, but, you know, certain, like, shows and stuff. When I do, yeah, I'll do, like, Comic-Cons, and, you know, it's basically an outdoor show, and Anybody can walk by, and it's kind of weird. That is bizarre. What kind of comedy was your mom? Was she like? She's like more fun, way way less dark than I am. <laughs> Which no. is weird because I would imagine having me would be more depressing than being me. But yeah. oh, please, <laughs> there's a lot more guilt. Is it only child? <laughs> no, no, there's two others. Okay, where do you fall in? Uh, the middle. Yes, of course. You're well, comedian. well, middle, middle, and youngest because me and my brother uh, are the only. Children of my dad, but then my mom had another kid. I gotcha. Yeah. 
Gotcha, the half-sibling. The Dude. children of my father. I feel like a Game of Thrones character. <laughs> I am House Lawrence, but then my mother broke off the House Colin, and therefore... No. Would, would there be, would there be um, a motto for House Lawrence? <laughs> yeah, I need this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eh, you know, condoms break. <laughs> wait, wait, where's Davy in Florida? In the, um... It's uh, near Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Yeah. God, there's like Florida can be divided up into so many sections because you forget that only part of it's the coast. Yeah, it's the racist part, the mildly racist part. Yeah, we would. And the Everglades. The Latinos are really racist part. The everyone yeah. hates Haitians part. Uh, yeah. And then you got the Latinos where it's like uh, they split down the middle like Cuban. Nope. Oh, yep. Oh, yeah. 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 There's like there's hate, hatred abounds in Florida. That that land and pride thing is like it's so it's so weird to me because if they all got together they could take us over, but because of the fact that they hate each other's flags, we're fine. You know, <laughs> like it's really it's really amazing to me. Like I mean, they're pretty much, you know Latinos are becoming you know the largest population, but they despise each other so much it's it's it really does feel like a music festival look i'm adult contemporary and you're adult up tempo and we just can never be together you know like <laughs> like imagine like the way that like ska bands viewed those like late 90s swing bands you know if you put like real big fish and cherry pop and daddies in a room together there's gonna be blood <laughs> mike i hate to disagree with you but i saw real big fish open for cherry pop and daddies and real big fish said this is one of our favorite bands so it was not West Side Story, you know. It was it was a lot of love, and then and then I one upped it by being in the Zoot Suit Right video. Really, I'm going to take a guess and say this was at a state fair. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Actually, that video was shot by Gregory Dark, who did a lot of music videos, did a lot of hip hop. He did a lot of porn. Did a lot of porn. That was his big and thing. And he did the uh, WWE film See No Evil, starring the wrestler Kane. Did he really? Yeah, and I a lot of people shout on it saying you could clearly tell it was made by a porn director. Are you big? Are you big? <laughs> yeah, exactly. A big wrestling guy, yeah. Yeah, all How right could on. could you tell it was made by a porn director? <laughs> Probably poorly made, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he was really, really funny. Like, the way he directed the video, it was... How did you end up in the video? They, the, the, some casting person was like, you like, you're a fan of Cherry Palm Daddies? And I'm like, yeah, I think they're great. They're, like, older records aren't swingy. They're just a little more fun and funky. Like, you want to do it? We'll give you 40 bucks. Like, fuck it, I'll do it. And the where, where they shot it was where Gregory Dark did most of his porn. So the makeup artists doing everybody else were porn makeup artists. So everyone was just caked and, yeah. and just looking horrendous. And, I mean, it's like caked and cum. Yeah. They just, we were all covered in lube and spunk. It, it sounds like ridiculous. a slippery situation. Yeah. Oh, the thing, thing about those, like, that was such a weird fad, and it literally lasted, like, a month, that, yep. like, swing fad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mike, most of the songs were fun, you know? I, I loved, like, that Squirrel Nut Zipper song. That was a great tune. Hell, yeah, that was a great yeah. song. But, you know, it was also that thing of, like, it just couldn't last. No. You know what I mean? Like, once you're... <laughs> and, then, and then the sad thing is... The amount of money that those prob- guys probably got wasn't that much, and then you have to split it amongst ten people. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> oh, great! We have a horn section. Fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder. It's weird. That hasn't made a resurgence. I feel like a lot of stuff has come back around by now. Yeah. But but in certain avenues, like where people still take swing dancing classes and like to do it, that's where they go and play. Yeah, you I know, guess that's like, true. It's like there's always that little underground scene. Um, who are your wrestlers? Who do you like? I'm a big CM Punk guy, Chris Jericho. Uh, I, yeah, I like the, the 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 promo guys. They're so good. Usually, growing up, I was a big Warrior fan. Um, I love I love nice pa- work calling him by his actual name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Warrior Warrior. Yep. Uh, I I was I was really uh, saddened by the the loss of Paul Bearer, who is probably yep. my favorite wrestling personality. Mm-hmm. He'd been doing it for so long, though. The Percy Pringle. Yeah, yeah. man. Like yeah, he was forever. blonde, and then they, yeah. I didn't even know what a Paul Bearer was. I just thought that when, when I first saw, like, a person named a Paul Bearer, I just assumed that that was named after the guy Paul Bearer. Really? <laughs> yeah, like, that's how influential he is. So you know, you know the rest of The Undertaker, right? Yes. So so his his guy, his his. I, I know who Paul Bearer okay, is. Okay, dude. That, they were, when, when Undertaker came on the scene, I was, like, legitimately frightened for anyone who got in the ring with that dude i just like the idea that he was probably also just a legit undertaker 
So he would have to like go to his boss. Look, I got to got to go to SummerSlam next week. Could I have like a day off? You know? Sure. Yeah. I I love I love. It's the thing I really love about wrestling as an adult, though, is it reminds me of comedy, but I'm not as attached to it because I'm not doing it. But it has all that same depression and sadness, but amplified in a beautiful way. Oh, you know. I there was um, there's for a while I was getting to interview a lot of wrestlers, and I'm a big fan, and I'm not as not now it just sounds lame but you know as a dad at home i don't get to watch it as much no. although i did have it on one day and the next day i noticed that my kids were then doing a lot more headlocks than normal yeah, yeah, like, yeah. i shouldn't have this on right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah it's true but growing up my dad was a huge fan and it was funny and embarrassing because he would buy wrestlemania and my friends would come over i'll be psyched but my dad couldn't control himself while watching wrestling just peed everywhere. No, he would get so psyched while watching it, he would start doing the moves and not realize he was jumping out of the chair, pretending he yeah. was slamming. And I, there was the one time I go, "Dad, sit down, stop it!" and just yell. And he'd be like, "All right," and he'd calm down. And it's, it was bizarre. So I grew up like watching wrestling and just loving the hell out of it. Um, and he and you know that's the thing. People are like, "Oh, you know it's fake." Like, of course he knew it was yeah. fake. But that, you know what it like. That to me, like when people say that about stuff, like even like reality TV, we're like, oh, it's fake. Like that should make you appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's an art to that. Like the way that they edit those shows and stuff, like the way that the wrestlers, you know, you know, have the storylines and, and, and all of that. Um, you know, there's there's a drama to it. And, um, you know, like did you, did, there was an amazing uh, promo last week that Mark Henry had. And it was awesome. He did this. He did this retirement. He's this. He's a guy who he's literally been in the company seventeen mm-hmm. years, and he's been terrible for fifteen of those seventeen years. Mm-hmm. He's like a big black four hundred pound guy. He's they literally the him, strongest man in the world. He yeah. wins every year. He's like Ben's pans and you know lift you know lift cars and stuff. He was a joke for a while. Like they, they oh gave he was him the worst, worst storyline. They gave him a character named Sexual Chocolate. He had a storyline where he had sex with an old woman and she gave birth to a plastic hand. Like legit, I watched that. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And within the last two years, something clicked, and he's like one of the best wrestlers that they have. And what his gimmick now is is he's just a big, like scary ghetto dude that beats the crap out of people and yells out ghetto catchphrases. So he'll like slam somebody and then just go, "That's what I do," and it's awesome. <laughs> and so last week he did a retirement angle because he is older, he is like fatter and stuff about how unhealthy he was feeling and that he hasn't seen his kids in so long. And then at the end of it. He grabs the champion who was out there to pay respect. They held up the belt together and everything. He's like, I did everything in this business except win that championship. But you know what? Daddy's coming home, little girl, and all that. And then he slammed a dude, and it was awesome. And the whole time you're watching, you're like, of course this is fake. Of course it's going to lead to something. But regardless, like you still get caught up in how fun it is. If any politician was smart, they would only campaign at wrestling events because it is every political faction, it is every race and creed all hanging out and cool yeah. together. Oh, yeah. And it's, as fake as politics, but they just want to As it. fake. But like... Um, well, um, Linda McMahon's only good at one of those things. <laughs> God. How much money is she going to spend to lose? It's ridiculous. 50 million twice. Oh, God. Bless Dude, the pet, the pet, well, last time... She was like losing so bad, and she like got pissed at the Republican Party. So the day of the election, she told people in her home state, Connecticut, on the ballot, vote McMahon for senator and Obama for president, and she was running as a Republican. <laughs> oh, complete insanity. A friend of mine was a writer. For yeah. a while at WWE, and he who's your friend, uh, Andrew Goldstein. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, you know, Andrew, oh. I did the Iron Sheik roast with him. You did? He April. wrote that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was gonna I, go. I, was, I wrote with him. Yeah, yeah. He's the greatest. Yeah, it was really fun. That, that was a sad roast. Yeah, he said it was. He he read me a bunch of the jokes. Yeah, uh, the Benoit shit was ruthless. Yeah, ruthless. What was your favorite joke that you had from that? Oh man, I'm trying to remember. There were there were some that. I really loved, you know, one of the more obscure ones 
was uh, MV, MVP was on it. Uh, MVP, uh, MVP's action figure uh, sold even less than the Ultimate Warrior. Like I did a lot of like insider wrestling term jokes. I, I there was oh. you said it sold less than the Al Snow figure. Uh, <laughs> or they didn't release that one. Nah, I mean, but I think the Ultimate Warrior joke's funnier. Okay, fine, <laughs> comedian. Because he knows sold. I didn't mean should. He didn't. He never sold. You, you know what selling is, right? No. Oh, oh that's why you I get. got it. Yeah, selling yeah. is when you react to the other person's offense. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a double. Okay. Yeah. Forgive See, it's me. so funny. I had to explain. It. I love no, this. But in a room that. full of wrestling fans, <laughs> you know, oh, this that, one was great. Uh, Nikolai Volkov and uh, and the Iron Sheik. Um, after shows would try to tag team girls and they lost then too. <laughs> that was one of them. Oh man, there were yeah, there were there were there were a good amount of them. Yeah, there was like the Benoit ones. I kind of stayed away from that mm-hmm. just because I you never know. I remember well, there was a chic roast a few years ago where someone made a Scott Hall joke and people got pissed. Yeah, that's rough stuff. Yeah. Oh, th- this one was uh, this what this this one I did and it got like a big ooh. Was uh, the last time Iron Sheik fucked someone in the ass and made him humble? Chris Canyon shot himself. So <laughs> he was a gay wrestler who committed suicide. Yikes! Uh, and it, but it, it killed. <laughs> uh. Dude, that was one of the weirdest moments of like my career, my life. Like it was, it really was like. And everyone says that about like WrestleMania, like the culmination of it all. But it was this bizarre because. It was so weird because the only other comic that was on the dais was a guy named Dan Soder, who's a really funny dude. And me and him met each other the first week that we both moved to New York. And he did a half hour this year, and I did one too. And, you know, we've kind of come up together, you know, even though I don't really see him that much, but we're good buddies. And um, we kind of like held each other through the whole thing because it was just, it was like insane. They started an hour and a half late, and this was. T- three days before WrestleMania. So it was all these wrestling fans who are the worst people on earth, the saddest like juggalos without face paint, you know, (laughs) and they were going crazy. Like they started chanting stuff and um, like booing before the thing even started. And the thing about the Sheik is he's clearly being exploited. Like it's pretty disgusting. Mm -hmm. He, his, his daughter was killed in 2003 and, He's in constant pain. I was reading an article today like that Goldstein sent me. His knees are so destroyed that he could barely walk. Mm-hmm. He he needed a cane to sit down. You know, like it was so he had a bodyguard behind him the whole time. <laughs> and uh it was just this weird thing because there were these six Persian dudes in the front and any time someone would say a joke that the audience didn't like, which was a lot, um they would start provoking the sheik, and then the sheik would just start rambling like "fuck you, Hulk Hogan, a number one island, and blah blah blah." And by the end, like, and and Soder went first and had great set, and I went last and had a great set. And in between, some of it was good and some of it wasn't. Peter Rosenberg was the the was the roast oh, master yeah, yeah, from Radio, yep. mm-hmm. and he's a great dude. But yeah. you know, there's a cadence to telling roast jokes. You know, it's a you know, comedian thing and they were like not giving him a lot of uh respect because they're like if you're not a wrestler to a wrestling fan they don't care about you right like i went to see uh monday night raw and msg and judah freelander came out and they booed him because you know who who are you yeah why are you here yeah like you could you, it's funny you could be like like they'll have like musicians come out for wrestlemania like you know diddy came yeah. out and they booed diddy mm-hmm which they should. It's like it's like every wrestling fan is someone who lives in Philadelphia, or or Alabama. Yeah, it's yeah. one or the other, and they're kind of the same. When you, you know think how Eagles about fans it. like boo their own team, like throw batteries, like they're obnoxious. Yeah, that's very cool. That like, I mean, have you ever gone to um, like an underground wrestling? I went to uh, Ring of Honor show. Okay, yeah, in Manhattan. Yeah. LA used to have a whole bunch of them around little places. And the guy who put them together was um, Johnny Legend, who was, did a lot of work. He was one of the dudes that got Andy Kaufman into wrestling. Yeah. And he would put on these little wrestling shows that were, and they would always have bands. Surprisingly modest for a guy who called himself Legend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And did ba- you see the the singer John Legend was like, "You stole my name, you bastard! How dare you get that?" Yeah. Um. So uh, when did you move to New York? I moved in 2007. When did when did comedy start for you while you were in Florida? Well, actually, when you decided to be a comedian yourself, uh, did your mom react? Oh, she was really supportive of it. She thought it was cool. Oops, got to pee. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's how legit we are. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. We did a We did a live podcast uh, last year for the first time, and two of the other guys in the middle of it were talking. I was like, "Where are you going? Like, we're going to get beer." I was like, "All right, it's how we roll. It's how we do it." Um. So I'm fascinated that your, your mom was a comic too, and did she come to like? Did she support your earliest sets? Um, did she get, did she have notes we weren't we weren't living in the same state oh, okay so uh, no but she did until like i she i i sent her a clip of one of my sets and i believe it was like the first clip she ever saw that i posted on youtube and she was furious because i had jokes about her in it Ooh. and it's always been this weird thing you know like that but that that whole you know because you know, my approach to, to humor is very abrasive and very dark. And so, uh, you know, I, I hate to be like, no punches, you know, pull no punches. <laughs> I'm not one of those Guido dudes, but like, <laughs> but it's mean, you know, a lot of the time. And it's just because comedy is an exaggeration. And, you know, um, yeah, she did not handle it well. And it was worse that she was a comic because her whole uh thought process behind it was well i didn't have to do that you know Mm -hmm. i didn't have to be that mean and you know yeah but that's not her that's not where she was going coming from or what she wanted to do what yeah no so if that's your style who are some of your comics growing up that you admired i wasn't a big fan of comedy i mean uh everything that i learned about humor is from the simpsons that's my biggest inspiration it's the greatest show of all time Mm -hmm. uh the first nine years and and after that, um, I don't even want. I haven't watched it in, in years now. It's yeah, it's brutal. I was just talking about the Simpsons this morning. How they had the greatest. One of my favorite jokes ever was that there was a a whole bunch of news crews, and one of them was a Christian Science Monitor, and they got a flat. And one of the guys starts to change, and the, and the other guy said, "Nope, we sit here and we wait. The Lord changes it." Got <laughs> so fucking smart. Was that the first nine years? When was Dana Gould working on it? A little later. Okay. Yeah, and I love Dana, but yeah, yeah. you know, he was not in, in the prime of that show. Well, sometimes, you know, when you're called in to pick up the pieces by those that left before you, it's hard. Yeah, and I, 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 did, a, I did a show with him, and, and we talked about it, and he said, like, how rough that writer's room was. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally just a merchandise maker now, you know? Like, the whole, I think the whole thing is... The longer it stays on the air, the more valuable the rights are. And I mean, think think about it. Like, this is the insane thing: was it went into syndication in like 1994? You know, so it's been in syndication for almost 20 years. Yeah, you know that that's when they got its hundredth episode. That's usually when you become mm-hmm. syndicated, and um, that's in Sweet Skinner's badass song. I believe is the 100th episode. Nice, it's the one where yeah Skinner gets kicked out and then comes back at the end. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 ama- it's amazing that like it's that insane, you know, that it's been on that long. Do you like the toys? Are you one of those guys? No, nah, no. Nah. Have you seen those people? They have like the entire Springfield. Oh yeah, I just watched a movie last night called Dark Horse, which was uh, Todd Salon's film. Oh well, yeah. and it was about this dude who he was like an action figure collector and stuff. It was it was really depressing. Like even for salons, I was, I, was like, I just he hurts me. Have yeah. you played the Simpsons tapped out game on? I started to. It's uh, really tedious and boring. It's so tedious and boring. I'll play it for like five minutes and then go work for twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah, but because they want you to pay money, like you're saying, it's merchandise. Yeah, yeah. Thing. What is what is this with these these like? I just got an iPhone two weeks it's ago. It's because all app games are basically drug dealers. Yeah, we'll give you it for free, and then if you wanted to do stuff faster, you'll pay money. Like Injustice, that game. I've been playing that. Me I was too. playing that. Yeah, yeah. I played on the train here. It's a yeah, great yeah, game, yeah. and it's free, and it's not bad. But I, I have my rules about Injustice. Justice is like a DC Comics game. Okay, and so I like my team is only Green Arrow, Nightwing, and Catwoman. Like it's a, like no powers. Like I'm, and it's so I have to beat everybody with no powers. It's my rule. <laughs> 
I used Green Lantern, right? Nightwing. Well, you get those are the first yeah. three you get, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So that's the thing is that you can buy additional characters, yeah. but the people you fight get so much more difficult mm-hmm. that it's useless. Someone told me, I said, wait, just just play it and play it and play it until you hit seventy five thousand, and then buy. Use those points to get Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman, and you'll be shocked how easier the game is after that when you have one of those guys. Obviously, the Holy Trinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get into comics. When did you, uh, since you're into The Simpsons, I, I worked with a guy who wrote one of The Simpsons comics as oh, a producer, cool. and I was like, out of everything we did together, that was what I enjoyed talking to him the most about. It's like, please geek out about how the comic book goes together. Uh, when did you get into comics? Since I was a little kid, yeah. Who were your first? Um, it was, I think it was like an alpha flight issue. Nice. Burn? No, I wish it was burn. No, I think it was like, you know, that, that definitely not burn. I'm I'm sure it was like an Al Milgram or something. Wow. God. Yeah. I'm sure Sabu Shema. I feel when you get really into like the older punk bands. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm learning a lot. Sort of. (laughs) Yeah. I've, I've given Jonah many a comic to read. Nah. Yeah, I, I don't even think I pushed Watchmen on you. I think I gave you other stuff. No, I yeah, I've gotten into just like Wide Last Man, like Transmetropolitan, just Fables, that kind of more mainstream. Fables stuff. trails off after. That's the, yeah, those are the entry level comics. Yeah, well, I'm, those are because they're self contained. You don't mm-hmm. need to know so much about continuity. What would you recommend, maybe, for someone who wants to kind of take the next step to get into superheroes? I don't know. I just feel like I really like the boys. I thought that was cool. Like I like yeah. that superhero aspect, like the behind the scenes. The boys, uh, his Punisher run is really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Venice. That's really fun. Welcome back, Frank's the first one. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah, but any of those are pretty self-contained stories, and you know he's like this force of nature, and they're awesome. And it, it, they're a little darker, you know, than the. I mean, more serious than the boys. The boy. I start. You know, I love the boys. And then when and this this is like a thing that is very jarring for a longtime fan, but I would imagine even more jarring for a newer person when they switch the art duties. Mm-hmm. You know, and you'll be reading like twenty issues of something like yeah, like the boys, like Derek Robertson is fantastic, but the people that they get to replace him are atrocious. It's like, what do you even do? I guess when you're called in to replace someone of that caliber, you're like, I just have to do, go the complete opposite direction. Well, what they did there was so dickish was that they told him, you're not producing this fast enough so we're going to bring in dudes and, you know, kind of like, they didn't fire him, but they lessened his duties. And, and the thing is, to me, you know, the way that culture is going now, and I know it's like frustrating, you know, when you have to wait so long for stuff like Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones, but it's like this stuff, like we have the technology to preserve everything now. So this stuff isn't so much just about how it entertains us. It's about how it stays out there forever. Like, mm-hmm. like Watchmen, you know, it's 12 issues. It's out there forever. You, you could easily get it in collections. So make it the best it can possibly be. You know, let, let the present suffer a little bit if it has to. <laughs> You know, it's it's about, you know, this stuff sustaining as art. That untold story of Marvel Comics is really jarring as a fan to read because you're like, wow, this really was an industry. And storylines that I thought were these well-thought-out, crafted things were just, no, 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 get that out over this next year. Oh, yeah. And I know people who go to the, the big Marvel retreats yeah. and watch them hash out the coming year. And, and they, you know, someone said it's fun to watch Bendis and Casada fight. And I'm like, I can imagine that would be fun and super nerdy and cool. But it's 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 interesting when you're more fun than what comes out of that retreat. I mean, it's it's weird, man. The it's, comic industry sucks now. Mm-hmm. And I, I I I yeah, I think I did something with MTV Geek mm-hmm. recently, and I basically became old man Lawrence because it's like there's too many events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I back it. You can't have a status quo when you're always shaking it up. It doesn't matter anymore. I said to Jim Lee, you ruin comics. And and not that bluntly because he's actually super nice, super cool. Yeah, yeah. but you also yelled overrated at Jimmy Page. I was drunk when that happened, <laughs> very drunk, and still it's very funny. <laughs> uh, my wife didn't think so at the time. Um, I might did Jimmy Page. Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy was like, "Who the fuck?" And then the next day I interviewed him, and 
and Jeff Beck, and they couldn't have been cooler. So yeah, it's yeah. like, what? I just don't like Zeppelin, and I don't feel bad about that. I don't either. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of with you guys, to yeah. be honest. It's when it when it's controversial, but they're one of the like them and Rush. Anytime they're on a classic rock station, I flip it. Yeah, I was on YouTube the other day just watching videos, and I put on for some reason I was like, I want to watch a live video of Rush's Roll the Bones, and I put it on, and like halfway through, I was like, Why? I don't even like this. Song. Why am I watching? It's like. Yeah, I'm with you. Worst yeah. vocalist in history. You either like him or hate him, you know. Yeah. Geddy Lee. Oh my god. I, I will right say it's impressive nose. what they can do for just three dudes. Mm-hmm. They can they make it sound pretty big. But yeah, it's Oh, musically, yeah, they're yeah. fantastic. I yeah. cannot get past that voice. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. His name's Tom you. If you got a nose that big, you're gonna sing through it, man. Look at Streisand. Why do you sound like Catherine Hepburn? You know, it's terrible. If Rush sounded like Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. I'd go see that. <laughs> they did start selling. They did a, a silly concert video that I watched, uh, where they did a short film where they played in a band called Rash, and they started selling shirts with the Rush logo. It just said Rash on it. I've been looking for one. The document. Do you see the Rush documentary? Yeah, that was actually pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought the stuff with Neil Peart, how he was like, "I don't talk to fans because I just don't feel comfortable." Yeah, he's and like, everyone thinks he's a dick, and he's just like, "I just want to ride my motorcycle and play drums. I mm-hmm. don't want to." I thought that was cool. That's Did such a Canadian thing. I prefer not to talk to the fans if I could. <laughs> Did you see Alex Lifeson's acceptance speech at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah. yeah. Dude has balls of gold. So he, Neil Peart talks, Geddy Lee talks, Alex Lifeson gets up on the mic and goes, blah, 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 and does the whole speech just like that. Every cadence and basically taking the piss out of the whole thing, which he should. And he would just do blah, blah, blah the whole time, like good five minutes. They kept cutting back to his wife cracking up. He would look at Geddy Lee and go, blah, blah, blah. Neil Peart, blah, 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 blah. Like every speech you've ever heard, he did just by saying blah, blah. And then they just went and played. It was genius. Yeah, it's that's great because it is such an invented thing. Like I'm from Cleveland, but it's like, and I go to the Rock Hall when I'm home sometimes. My girlfriend's from Cleveland. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah. Have you been there to the Rock Hall before? Yeah. It's fun to go like once every couple years, but it's like every time you go, you're like, it's the same shit. They're just it's pants. Like, They're just yeah. shirts. No, exactly. I don't get inspired by that. Yeah. Oh, you wore those socks one time? Right. Hendrix, you know, like it doesn't. Yeah. Show me like there was there was a great song by a British musical comedian named Mitch Ben called like the Rock and Roll Hall of Death. Like the the bathtub Jim Morrison drowned in, and you oh, know yeah. the sandwich Mama Cass choked. Like that, I would love to see that. The shit. room of vomit. Yeah, that was they yeah. had. They used to have the bass that got smashed on the cover of London Calling. That was cool, but it was very few and far. But a lot of it was like, yeah, like scraps of paper, and you're like, yeah, it's just some dude writing oh, something. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, like who cares? It's, uh, yeah, that, and I know that's supposed to inspire me. It just it doesn't like seeing it. Like where they wrote the lyrics on, you know. I also feel like after living with Arturo, I was like, yeah, this stuff, nothing impresses yeah, me Yeah, nothing now. impresses you. God bless it. Who's Arturo? It's Arturo Vega. He's, uh, he was the guy, he recently passed away, but he designed the Ramones logo. Oh, cool. And was kind of the fifth Ramone, met them in, in the 70s and toured, toured with them, did their he lights. Missed but he missed two shows. Their, he was their artistic <laughs> director, so his, um, he... And that's what killed him. <laughs> he had this loft on Second and Bowery that was, I lived at for a few months last year, and it was basically like a Ramones museum, just like incredible, all their artwork, all the lyrics. Yeah, after that, was, you just realize it's just cool Yeah, stuff. it's cool, but it's like, yeah, it's just What's going to do? Write a song. Nah. That makes sense. I like how we, you say you don't like Rush, and then we ask you, all, like, did you see this thing about them? Did you see this <laughs> thing? Yeah. All this other stuff about this no, band you I don't care about? No, I them. <laughs> You must know your enemy. <laughs> uh, now, you were just uh, out on tour with uh, Mark Marin. Yeah. What's that like featuring for guys like that, like him and Oliver? And oh, such? it's the easiest thing in the world. It's so much easier than headlining because there's no pressure. No one's there to see you. You get to have as much freedom as you want. Uh-huh. And being on a show with them already gives you, like, you know, a level of, like, respect and clout with the audience because they're comedy fans. Mm-hmm. And. I mean, I've also done things with both guys that are, you know, I did John Oliver's stand-up show. That was a great twice. show. Yeah. And then I did, uh, you know, WTF twice. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm already, you know, in their minds like, oh, okay, he's cool. Mm-hmm. You know. It just takes the pressure off. But like, yeah. headlo- 
I find it fascinating when bands go on tour, you know, sometimes you want to be main support, you know, because like headlining is a lot of people. I mean, we've all seen it. The headliner comes out, half the crowd leaves, you know. Sadly, Jonah, I've seen that too many times. And while we're there for the headliner, like, where's everybody going? And not if they're a draw. If yeah. they're a draw, then. Yeah. If it's a smaller show and, yeah, you know, true. you look at it, you're like, I have no idea who any of these people are, then you're going last. Well, a, a lot of the time, too, I feel like it's like a newer band that's like get, getting more and more popular, and the headliner is like a kind of older band that's kind of more. Yeah, I guess that makes like, sense. But what is that? Is, is headlining just intimidating for that old reason of, you know, oh, fuck, I need 50 minutes. I need. Well, that's a part of it, but it's also, you know, I'm a specific act and not everybody likes it. So, which is fine. Um, but it sucks because, like, I'm at a level, I'm not a draw. And so people are just, they're not paying to see me. They're paying to see what they think comedy is. And I go up and they realize I'm not what they think comedy is. And then I'm up there for 50 minutes and, you know, it's like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I do my best. And, 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 and I, when, some people over them, there's a victory in that. But, I mean, the thing that no one ever talks about in comedy, you know, there's all this, like, rape joke controversy and all this, you mm-hmm. know, what we should say and what we shouldn't. But there's an un- unspoken truth, which is that at least 30 to 40% of people that go to a comedy show don't want to be there. You know, they're there because one of their friends wants to be there. You know, or you're, if you're in a couple, it's like, all right, Martha, we'll go see the comedy show this week, Monster Truck Rally next week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like... So there's already people like, oh, this is going to suck. And then I go up talking about death and sadness and they're like, yep, this sucks. Do you prefer doing like the traditional club, like two drink minimum? Or do you prefer doing like a knitting factory type like rock club? Or it just kind of depends. Because for me, it's like, I I don't mind going to Gotham and stuff. But every time I go, I feel like I have to spend 40 bucks. It's so expensive. And I feel like that automatically puts me in that mindset. I feel, yeah, there's a pressure there as a performer, even knowing that people are spending that much. Um, yeah, places like Knitting Factory, you get more freedom and stuff. It's just, well, it's looser, too. And, you know, I mean, but, but then the plus is I don't get paid in most of those rooms. And right. I get paid in clubs. Right. So mm. it's kind of, you know, my thought is, hey, I'm sorry you had to spend that 40 bucks, but that's how I was able to make my 25. <laughs> You yeah. know, on a weekday club spot. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, but like when when friends or friends of friends or, you know, people I know ask me, hey, how should I see you? I always tell them, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to do this all show. I'm going to be over here because I, you know, yeah, I don't want them to spend. But and also I know I'm I, because people are paying that much. I'm limited by what I can do. I feel see, I feel like I have a responsibility to do the proven stuff and you know and and i'm not creating as much Hmm. when i'm at those places you don't feel like you're stretching those kind of things like yeah well i mean well there was like a big argument recently about the ucb and them not paying comics at all even though they charge a cover we had chris gethard on recently yeah yeah. he's a great dude yeah yeah um and the way that i yeah, and I, I was really on the side of comics being paid, and I, I was one of the big, like, dudes, you know, not big dudes, but, like, I was one of the guys that was blogging a lot about it and stuff. And and the truth is, I, I go there. I was there on Sunday. I'll still perform there, but you know what? It's my cum rag now. I don't, I don't care anymore. Like, I don't feel obligated to do my best. I'll do my newest shit. You know, you clearly, they clearly don't respect comedians. That's fine. <laughs> what do you think is the solution, though? Like, because they're saying, like, even like drink tickets or like just 50, 20 bucks or anything, or do you think it's just. Um, I think it was, you know, and one of the things that I suggested that they, they still refused to do was um, a, a tip bucket. I thought that that was a fair compromise um, because, and no one from the UCB, and I had a lot of talks with different guys about the issue, but. No one really addressed this one thing that bothers me the most about it. Still, they never told the audience that none of their money was going to the comics. They're lying to their crowds. And I think that's disgusting. That genuinely pisses me off. To have people come in, pay $10, and not 
to see a cent of that go to the performers because I, I have faith in the audience. I believe that the audience, you know, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't respect the people I perform for. Um, I think that they think that some of that money is going. If you talk to people, they think so. You know, if you're paying a cover charge, they're like, hey, you earned my money tonight. You know, <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> they wouldn't let me because it's their philosophy. Like that. That's the problem, too. Then it becomes almost like an Israel-Palestine thing when you're battling an ideology. Do you think they always had that or they were just backed into a corner by something they said early on? I think on? that they have, yeah. I think, I think, well, yeah, I think they were backed in a corner by necessity, but they've chosen to keep that. And mm-hmm. the problem is it's hard to keep that going when you've opened up other businesses. You know what I mean? Now, I, I I don't think that there's been enough accountability. You can't have two venues in New York and one in L.A. and still say you're the little guy and still say, oh, we're basically a nonprofit. No, you're not. You're for a profit, and you're using that profit to open up other businesses. And uh, I don't even know if they have nonprofit status. It doesn't seem like they can. No, they yeah, don't. They, they, but they, they, they have all those classes at that other yeah. center in Midtown. Yeah. But if you ask anyone that works there, they basically say, yeah, but we pretty much are. You know, they're like, we don't make any money off the theater and, and all of that. And, and so my thought was, you know, keep the ticket sales, but let the audience decide. Let them give us money. And they say that that doesn't gel with their philosophy. That's very weird. Yeah. I support you in that. I, think I learned, that makes sense. I learned about that through Neil Hamburger. I didn't know that they didn't pay people until like they posted a photo of Ian Mackay doing. He did a monologue and he did Ask Cat. He did Ask Cat and Neil Hamburger replied to it. They're like DIY legend, and he was like, "You thieves never paid one of your performers a cent." That was yeah. like his reply, and I was like, "What, really?" And then and then all this came out later. But I'm yeah. surprised it took this long actually mm-hmm. for people to freak out about it. Well, it's because like, people are afraid, and yeah. it's a, it's a tough thing, you know. Um, and I don't, you know, like I said, I still go there. I don't begrudge anybody that goes there. I think that was a part of it that, like, especially, like, really young comics are like, oh, am I going to be a scab now? No, nobody's a scab. Um, it's just, uh, I, but I do think, yeah, there's got to be some accountability and there's got to be some discussion about it. Uh, you know, the thing that I, I learned from it, I, I, I respected the improv and sketch community a lot more than I initially did because a lot of them were like, yeah, we, we, uh, I guess we should, but we don't and we can't, <laughs> you know, and the, with the real, there's another issue with it is, is it's a class war. You know what I mean? Like a lot of comics that get into stand up, you know, are poor. And a lot of people that get into sketch and improv are middle class. Just the idea that you have to pay $400 to take a level one class. And mm-hmm. you pretty much have to work, you know, you pretty much have to take classes at that theater to, to work there. You know what I mean? So you're already willing to spend that money. I got into stand up because I could just go on stage and not pay anybody. <laughs> yeah, stand up is like, I've, I've said many times, I think it's the hardest like entertainment job because in a band, at least you're not. You know, you got a couple of people there that you might hate after a few years, but stand up, you're by yourself. It's you or nothing. It's a lot of loneliness when you're traveling. Yeah, you're just performing one person you've hated all along. I was going to say, you're fucking yourself in front of the crowd. Yeah. Is it weird for you to go back there kind of after having these kind of dialogues and then showing up? or eh, A little bit, but like, I, I mean, like you said, there's more of a freedom to it. So. Yeah. I mean, and I still respect the crowd. I'm not like fucking around. I'm not reading notes or anything. You know, that's <laughs> just, I don't have that ingrained. In me. I, I still want to do well. But, you know, like on Sunday, I did all material that I wrote within like the last six months, you know, and most of it was from the last two months. And I would have been more apprehensive to do that before just because it was like, it's my job. You know, they're paying ticket prices, you know, they should get a great show. And then really, oh, yeah, but none of it's going to. I, I think, and, and I think there's an arrogance there too, where it's like it should be your honor and privilege to perform on our stage. I'm like, you know, just give me a slice of pizza. Like that's a, that's that's a whole drink ticket thing. I you know I get it, but like it, I don't drink. I don't right. get anything from that. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and this is how poor I was for a long time. I still have to tip, so it's not free. You know, I'm out. I'm out. Two bucks. I'm out a dollar. 
I don't have that dollar sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're like dirt poor, you know what I mean? Like it's not free. And I'm not going to be, you know, being poor gives you an empathy. So you're not going to stiff the bartender who's also probably poor. So you just, I, I always used to give mine away. You know what I mean? Like my, my thought would usually be because, you know, I'm, I'm addicted to soda. I'm like, well, bar soda is usually watered down and not that delicious. And if this is, I have to already pay for it anyway, technically, I'll just, you know, <laughs> buy a soda at the, at the store or something. And then walk in with it, you bastard. Yeah, I used to, I used to, this was like the poorest I was. I used to bring a two liter with me. Yeah. And just chug that. I would like go into the bathroom and just take a sip of my, my giant two liter bottle. Of soda. Dude, it's not a small club. It's the flask mentality. What's that yes. in your pocket? Um, me saving money. Yeah. You know, the difference between a flask and a keg. Like that's like somewhere <laughs> between. Yeah. Do you still drink a lot of soda? Yeah, I, I switched the diet. Um, yeah. I'm not as bad, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty addicted. It, it's not healthy. You know? it's, <laughs> it's my one addiction. Yeah, you know? I think have, everyone has. Have something. you never not drank? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not straight edge. I'm boring. <laughs> no, you're an adult, is what you are. <laughs> yeah, I just, at some point you go. I just don't drink, and you stop uh, listening to Uniform Choice, which is that's fine. A, that's They're a reason bad. why a lot of my friends are poor. I feel like it's so expensive, <laughs> and I follow. Here. It's just evolution. How many people have thrown their lives away? You know, like and and with with comedy, there's a lot of sober oh, dudes in comedy. Yeah, there, there kind of has to be. You're mm-hmm. performing in bars every night, and and you know they fall hard and mm-hmm. you know pick themselves back up and clean up. But it's like when you see when you see that though, uh, it's like why would I want to do that? You, mm-hmm. you know how many people like and to me, and this is really cruel, but it's like. When I see some dude like you just performed for twelve people and he like gets shit faced, like what do you have to celebrate? You didn't do anything really, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. how I've been about coke. Like I've never done coke, and I was like, you know, and I'm like, you can die from doing this once. Like why? Like who cares how good it feels? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. if I die, and that would be me. I know. Yeah. It's like it's not. It's not worth oh, the risk. Great. I don't. I don't care. No, I mean it's all silly, but it's interesting because. In your world, especially much like the music world, like it's rampant, you know, oh, yeah. and it's hard because you're touring and it's lonely and sad, and you need that little, you know, sad comfort, and you don't want to come out on the other side. So you've never drank or done anything. I've had like two or three beers in my life. Yeah. I've like puffed pot, you know, a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't smoke. Yeah, and and it's money too. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I moved here with two thousand dollars. I burned through it fast. I worked the when you got off job. the train. Of course, you burned through it. Yeah. <laughs> what did you do when you first got to New York? Did you know anyone here? Uh, I yeah, I had like a cousin, and I moved in with her, um, and an uncle and stuff. But uh, not not that many people. No, it was and it was lonely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, it was that you know I had a dream and I could I was like I'm gonna do it and. But it was poor, you know. I would like just make pasta, but I was like, I can't afford the sauce, so I would, <laughs> I would, I would like use, you know, like soy sauce and stuff because it's like way cheaper. I remember once living in California when I first moved out there, living in a shitty studio apartment with no bed, and um, uh, just eating like peanut butter uh, out of the jar with a knife, and. Uh, the only thing I had was Parmesan cheese. I was like, fuck it. So I just pour a little Parmesan cheese on the knife, yeah. peanut butter, and just... 20s, man. Yeah. Go to school and you get out. All right, time to make some drink. Ah, crap, I'm broke. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I got to pay this gas bill in a town where it doesn't get cold. It's funny that people that live like that will still have kids, you know, and it, like that blows my mind. Like, if I can't take care of myself, I'm going <laughs> to take care of anybody else. Well, you Dude, get- have you ever heard Doug Stanhope talk about that? Where he's like, every time you have a kid, it's like taking out a five hundred thousand dollar loan or something. It's yeah. like I lost my job. We should take out buy like a jet. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. that's like, a mentality. I'll, Dude, I know people in shit in my family who are like, if they have another kid, like that qualifies them for more food stamps. So it's like they are the problem. It should that be a lot the other way around. It should be like yeah. it should be 
not encouraging people to do that. I feel like there's already enough people. If you want to have kids, cool, but yeah, welfare moms and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's just, and and not to, a lot of those people are legitimate. A lot of bad circumstances too. Absolutely, a lot of Absolutely. a lot of people that get that need it legitimately, and then a lot of people like that's their only way out, and it's just obnoxious. But you I get just, to a point when you know, as like my kids are a couple of years that there, there was a guy said something in college once at a at a show. He went. How can I even think of having kids when so so many of my friends still need a dad? And I thought about that for years, and then you know, point where you're like, all right, I'm ready for this. Nah. And and I had some friends who were never going to have kids, and the father-in-law went, "You have to." They're like, "Why do we fucking have to have kids? Who are you?" And he went, "Do you see how many dipshits are having kids?" You're too smart, well-off people. You need to have children to control these fuck-ups. The sheep need a shepherd. And I was like, that's a horrible, righteous argument that I get. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense because so many, you know, I needs a, a dick and a vagina. You know, it's like any yeah. dipshit can do it. It's harder to get a driver's license. And that's where we end. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, what are you doing now? Are you off tour? I thought you were going to ask Mike if he wanted to have kids. You want to have kids? You want to have kids right now? <laughs> no, I'm, going, I'm going to Seattle this weekend and then going to be in L.A. for a few days and then uh, Miami. So we're going to be on the road for like two weeks. Right on. Yeah. How, and is, that, is that a normal tour? Like a like couple weeks, then you're back for a couple weeks? No, no it's different. Um, it's just because I'm going to be in the West Coast. I was like, I'm going to do Corolla's podcast. Awesome. Yes, yeah, so that would be fun. And then, yeah, I, uh, I'm doing... Uh, this Florida comic book convention, uh, Florida Supercon. I get to interview like George Takei and some of the Power Rangers. We need to talk because <laughs> I just had an experience with George Takei. Can you tell me what happened with oh, me? Oh my. Oh my. Um, when I was in the internment camps, yeah. I realized that the worst thing in my life would be having to work with a Mr. Bill Shatner. <laughs> if he's given a talk, just watch the talk and see what if he's like doing a panel. We'll discuss off mic. That's how obnoxious it is. Um, you going to San Diego? No. Nah. San Diego may have That's already happened. Mm-hmm. I, I want to someday, but, but it was tough with decay or yeah, dude, it, it was, uh, it was obnoxious. He was fine, but the people around him oh, are okay. not pleasant and he's, he's in, con- and the people around him are, are intimately involved with him and yeah. it was just, it was just weird. And then I, th- this all, I don't feel bad. You saying. forget like all these dudes, like they have all these posses and stuff. All these, his posse is very small, very yeah. small. And it was just obnoxious and written. And I've dealt with a lot of publicists and managers in my career. Uh, you don't need to be that rude. That's not yeah, cool. Yeah. We're being nice, you know, and this was scheduled. And if you don't want to do it, don't schedule it, you know, yeah, and they yeah. don't walk away from us. That wasn't cool. But the, um, he gave this, he gave this speech, this talk, all these people, you know, come to the convention to see, and this was the Denver comic con. And it was l- literally listening to the ramblings of an old guy about in these magical cell phones, like who knew that Gene Roddenberry would come up? Oh, Gene. And then it's like, let me take some questions. Thousands of people, three questions, because someone, you know, says, what do you, you've been, what do you, what do you think about the Japanese super train? Well, let's talk about clouds. And I'm not making any of this shit up. And he went off and I was like, I would feel so robbed. And I was yeah. supposed to be moderating this panel and, and, and holding on to everything. And I just sat up there like a dink because he starts talking and I'm the, the dude up there next to George Decay and I was like, I'm just going to get off the fucking stage. Yeah, yeah. And I did. And then he did and just jammed out. It was, uh, it was very, very weird. But com- conventions are bizarre. I, I, I need to, I want to l- learn about how it works, like who sets up, how much you have to pay to get an autograph. Oh, you man. Know? Stan Lee was charging 80. You know, 80 bucks? Dude, yeah. You know, you know who the biggest is? Ooh. Mark Hamill. 120. Because but he there never, can't he, be any scarcity on the market. How no, is it? That's the thing. He never does it. So Mark Hamill never does autographs. So when he does, he commands that. Shatner's 75. Ugh. 45 extra for a... Four, no, 75 plus you have to buy a ticket. It's weird. I don't and then even it's care like, about autographs. Though. I wouldn't give anyone a penny for their Oh, autograph. I agree. Yeah. And it's like they no longer get to say the whole, I just do it for the fans thing. Like, yeah. No, you don't. No, yeah. totally. That is so exploitative. If you were doing it for the fans, you wouldn't be charging. Now, if they, if William Shatner said, all this money goes to this charity I'm supporting, right. I'd be totally down with that. But I don't know. It's weird. I need, I need to, to learn more about it. All right, so you're going down to the Florida convention. Um, yeah. You're doing some touring, and then this is your locale in Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. Right on. 
Well, Mike, so super- can people do do a lot of shows locally around Brooklyn? Or- yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. When I want to perform for indifference. What's, <laughs> what's what's your website or the best way for people to find out? Um, MikeLawrenceComedy.com. Yeah, my album is on there and you can uh, buy it or tell me that you Spotify it. <laughs> Mike Lawrence has a beard. Hugh Jackman has sideburns. Coincidence? I think so. Uh, super, super funny guy. Check out his stand-up. Go to MikeLawrenceComedy.com. Uh, check and see if he's going to be in your town. Also grab his record, Satamantium. Or, as he says, you could Spotify it. Maybe maybe buy his record. But yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Spotify. Did he say that? He did. Yeah. <laughs> he talks about there, it. There's a lot of comedy albums on Spotify, which is kind of... I Interesting. I, I listen. Yeah, I, I listen to comedy albums on it once in a while. Yeah, Spotify is such a weird thing. It is. Um, you can't listen to us there, but you can yeah. listen to us on iTunes or GoingOffTrack.com. Or Stitcher also. Stitcher, yeah. Check us out on Stitcher. Um, if you go to GoingOffTrack.com, there's a little donate button. If you want to send us some cashola, that would be glorious. If you don't, we appreciate you listening and keeping us going. Because as always, podcast is a great way to break even in life. Yes. Oh, also, you can send us an email at GoingOffTrack at gmail.com. Yeah. I feel like we never give that out, but should I not give that out? No. Nope. Now it's know. out there. Now it's out there. It's there. So, Boom. What are they, they going to say? So to send us like cool links or like JPEGs or... Porn. YouTube links. No porn. <laughs> Just links to funny stuff. Personally, I'm really into escalator and trampoline accidents on YouTube right now. So <laughs> if there are any new ones posted, shoot them over because I think I've seen all of them. You can also send the links to Twitter at going off track. Um, what else are we missing? Because we do this all the time. Why am I forgetting something? Eh, who cares? Thank you guys for listening. Cue music. Cue music.